It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. It is Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST, and right here for the Locked On LSU podcast. More movement on the LSU coaching staff, which we'll get to. An update from the Tigers in the Senior Bowl in Mobile. And uh, Will Wade previews LSU's trip to Austin for the Big 12 SEC Challenge Saturday against the University of Texas. Let me begin, though, with a little more staff turnover. Uh, One of the names that, if you've been listening to this podcast, you have learned uh, more so over the last six weeks uh, than you probably knew during his entire time in Baton Rouge is George Munoz. And George Munoz is now leaving LSU to join Dave Aranda at Baylor. Uh, Munoz has spent the past couple of seasons as an analyst with LSU on the offensive side, uh, focusing on quarterbacks and the passing game. Uh, He did spend game days on the sidelines with uh, Ensminger and Brady in the booth this past year, and with the change to the headset rule, uh, Munoz became an important game day cog for LSU offensively. So uh, a bit on that first, but what we know now is that uh, um, – Go247 is reporting it. I believe The Athletic had it first that uh, Munoz will be joining Dave Aranda as the wide receiver coach at Baylor. Uh, Munoz came to LSU from ULL, where he was a record-setting offensive coordinator there with the Cajuns. So he came to LSU as an, uh, in an analyst, off-field analyst role, and one of 15 who could kind of work behind the scenes, building game plans and things like that. Um, but now he's back in a full-time on-field role with Dave Aranda's staff. The So first let's talk about, about Munoz and what his role was with LSU. So what we've learned, obviously, is that analysts mostly exist behind the scenes. They can't coach the players, but they coach the coaches at practice or, or before practice. They sort of put in game plans and do all the behind-the-scenes work, and there's an unlimited number of analysts that staffs can have. Well, with the NCAA changing the headset rule, it um, it allowed more uh, people on the sidelines to be on a headset during a game, and LSU chose to have George Munoz on a headset. Certainly that speaks to the level of confidence they had in Munoz. If you go watch game film from LSU this year, there's a man standing behind Ed Ogeron who... Nine times out of ten, that's George Munoz. Uh, he helped Ed with um, uh, situational coaching in the games, was a sort of a, a sounding board there. And then also, as we came to know, when Joe Burrow would come to the sideline with Brady and Ensminger in the booth, he'd get on the phone and talk to them. But the guy on the sideline, when you talk to people who spent their Saturdays on the sideline with LSU, the only guy Burrow would talk to during the games on the sideline was George Munoz. And while there's been a lot of question about Joe Brady and you know his absence and the impact that it'll have or what impact Brady had on Burrow, my answer has been, look, Burrow would not have had the opportunity to compile the season he did without the change in the offense that Joe Brady brought. But Joe Brady worked with the receivers, and he's fantastic in that role. He was a receiver. That is what Brady did at practice. 
Joe Brady never worked with quarterbacks. That was Steve Ensminger and George Munoz, as evidenced by the fact that when Joe Burrow won the Heisman Trophy and he went and you know thanked everybody before he when his name was announced, of course he went and thanked everybody from the LSU contingent that was there. He thanked Ed and Kelly Ozron. Of course, his parents were over there. Ed and Kelly Ozron, and there was Ensminger and Brady, and then the the tall man with dark hair and glasses. That was George Munoz, and a lot of people were asking, "Who's that guy?" That's George Munoz. It speaks to to the respect that they have for the job that that he did uh, with uh, with LSU and with the quarterbacks. Not that you need a full history lesson on Munoz, but he was at Eastern Illinois and then went to ULL in 2008, and from 08 to 2010 as the passing game coordinator, he installed what they called their PlayStation Attack, which shattered school records for total offense and touchdowns in a season in 2008. Um, he stayed on uh, at ULL as a, a receivers coach and then offensive coordinator again in 2016 before joining LSU for the 18 and 19 seasons. And clearly this has been his opportunity to advance through the Power Five. If there's one surprise here, it's not it's not in any way that Dave Aranda wanted to take George Munoz with him. It's the fact that there was a wide assumption and my initial assumption was that George Munoz would just elevate from analyst to on-field staff in Joe Brady's role. So... Now, I think if you're LSU, what this speaks to is the fact that Ed Ogeron, the fact that Ed Ogeron is allowing Munoz to, to walk tells you that they feel like they've got a, a heavy list of potential candidates to replace Joe Brady. And that falls in line with what I've been told, which is that the, the interest in the passing game coordinator job at LSU has been overwhelming from both the college and the NFL levels. And you can understand that because if you look at what happened with Joe Brady this year, one year you're working with tons of NFL talent and Brady was able to parlay that into an NFL OC job, you can advance through this position offensively and I think that's why you're going to see a ton of interest in it. So a little surprise not to see Munoz elevate, but that does give me great intrigue as to what Ogeron has brewing for that, uh, that passing game coordinator job. All right, it is Locked on LSU, your team every day. When we start to get some of those names, uh, we'll certainly let you know. But what I do know as of now uh, is that the interest has been significant from both the college and NFL levels for that LSU offensive staff position. As we know more, we'll certainly tell you. Locked on LSU, your team every day. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Continuing on, Locked on LSU, your team every day. Uh, the college football season might be over, but you do have one more game. Uh, the Senior Bowl is this weekend in Mobile, but realistically, for the prospects that are there, the bigger deal is the four practices leading up to the game on Saturday. It's the opportunity to get to know NFL coaches and staffs and to go through practices against your peers and to allow these NFL teams to put you through the ringer and through the drills with pads on. And then also, to go through all of the measurables as well. There are uh, four former LSU Tigers 
uh, who are going to be playing in the game uh, this weekend. And, of course, you had Burrow and Christian Fulton, who both had to back out of the game. But you do have two offensive linemen with Lloyd Cushenberry and Damian Lewis. You got tight end slash receiver Stephon Sullivan, and you got long snapper Blake Ferguson. So all four former Tigers will be playing in the game. The biggest story so far has got to be, well, I would say there's two. The biggest story so far has got to be Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, let you hear yesterday uh, from Chris Trapasso, NFL draft analyst for CBS Sports, who's basically said Lloyd Cushenberry has been the best interior blocker on his team, on the South team so far there. And with a 6'11 wingspan, uh, wingspan, those long arms as he's as he's been measured, it's evident. It's evident why um, they're so NFL teams are so excited about him. And he seems like the guy that is is scaling the most so far that we, this week in, in in Mobile, where he might well be the first center taken in the draft, especially when you consider that Oklahoma, uh, their starting center, um, decided to return to school. And it's a prospect that uh, with Creed Humphrey that we talked about a lot with Mike Dettelier might have been the best center in this draft had he cho- chosen to come out, but ultimately decided to go back to school. It opened up the door for Lloyd Cushenberry. And remember also, you don't typically see interior linemen traditionally taken high in the draft, but because of the new NFL draft rules with slot money, uh, because of the, the rookie cap, um, what you've seen now is teams willing to take and use a higher draft pick on an interior lineman because they don't feel like they have to overpay. So it's not atypical to see a center or an interior lineman taken high in the draft. Look, I mean, you had uh, you know, the Falcons last year took Chris Lindstrom, the offensive guard from Boston College, 14th overall. Uh, Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State, went 18th overall last year to the Minnesota Vikings. Point is, you're seeing interior linemen go in round one and go higher in the draft because teams don't have to overpay. And Lloyd Cushenberry, if he goes to the combine and tests well on top of this senior bowl, could very well find himself bumping up into that category if there's a team that falls in love with him and finds it's a position of need. They mentioned Bradbury going in round one last year to Minnesota. Saints used a second-round pick on Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M. So I, I think at a position where someone touches the ball every every down, you very well could see Lloyd Cushenberry maybe sneak into round one, but certainly solidifying himself in round two. The most interesting prospect, however, is LSU wide receiver slash tight end Stephon Sullivan. Um, the six foot five receiver at the Senior Bowl became all the talk when they went through the measurements. Middle finger to middle finger. Arms stretched wide. Stephon Sullivan's wingspan was 85 and one-eighth inches. That is, for a 6'5 receiver, his wingspan, his arm span, is seven feet one inches. Uh, one inch. So, for a guy at 6'5, he's got a 7'1 uh, wingspan. Which that tells you is you have a massive radius to throw the football to if you're a quarterback. For perspective, and credit to Brooks Cabine of The Advocate because he noted this, DK Metcalf set an unofficial NFL combine record for wide receivers last year with a wingspan of 82 and 7 eighths inches. 
This is about Sullivan is about three more inches beyond that. So many times teams fall in love with the with the athlete and not the player. And Stephon Sullivan during his time at LSU obviously never got to produce um like many thought he would because of who he was behind. And obviously you have the Bolitnikoff Award winner. And yet, uh, a guy in Justin Jefferson who's likely going to be a first-round pick and a former five-star in Terrace Marshall, and you know the list. But in 2018, last year, Sullivan had 23 receptions for 363 yards, two touchdowns, had a massive fourth-down conversion uh, a catch late in the game against Auburn uh, on the road. So he's a guy who's had some moments. At 6'5", 242, with that wingspan, he is going to turn a lot of heads. And in the NFL draft, where many times teams will select based on potential Stephon Sullivan's a guy that you have to think is going to get drafted based on the way he's measured so far. Um, reminds me a lot of when we were having the conversation about Rico Gathers, if you remember. Played basketball at Baylor, beat, I mean, total freak show, and in the mold of Jimmy Graham and some of the athletic tight ends, ended up being selected in the late rounds by the Dallas Cowboys. Probably something similar to happen, I would assume, with Stephon Sullivan. But we will wait and see till the draft rolls around. Okay, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day. One final little step aside. Will Wade recaps the Florida win and previews the LSU trip to Texas. We'll talk about it next. Locked on LSU, your team every day. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, wrapping up another edition of the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. Uh, LSU hits the road in hoops for the Big 12 SEC Challenge Saturday. They are at Texas Tigers winners of seven in a row, six and zero oh in conference play. Texas this weekend was just bludgeoned on the road at West Virginia. So Tigers find a good time to go over to Austin, hot and playing well. Uh, we'll wait on his coach's show uh, before we talk about Texas. Did uh, recap the Florida game, which certainly had a wild end sequence. Yeah, we'll take it. We've uh, <laughs> you know, I've watched the last three and a half minutes of the game about a dozen times today so we've got a lot of a lot of things we need to clean up a lot of stuff we need to get better at and our guys our guys understand that we we took the day off our guys got massages and relaxed a little bit today and we'll, we'll get back after it tomorrow and learn and teach and, and do what we need to do to uh, hopefully not put ourselves in those those sort of situations uh coming down the stretch i like the 11 point lead but I didn't like uh, what happened uh, after we got the 11-point lead, and we just made some some critical uh, mental errors, two uh, two offensively that led to two other threes, and a, and, a, and one defensively. And you know we did we didn't switch well enough, and and so we had a couple ch- chances to really uh, really put the game away, and and couldn't do it. And so when you play good teams like Florida and. You know the teams we're playing in, in in our league. You've got to put them away when you get the opportunity to put them away. You can't let them, can't let them hang around and and, and give them life. And, and we did that a little bit, a uh, little bit too much last night. And here was Will specifically on the final play of the game. On the fi- one of my assistants was maybe eavesdropping a little bit, and he said they're going to give Florida the ball. And so we we kind of changed course there, but we we weren't where we were supposed to be. We should have been 
we tried to switch something and we weren't supposed to switch it and our guy was not where he was but we, we were all out of whack um, at the end of the game there and so we've got to we got to be better at that but we were we were we were we were not we were not lined up positionally correctly and uh, it was a simple play they're running a screen the screener something they, they've run 150 times trying to get they're trying to back screen and bring lock out to the corner and see if they get him get him loose for a three but um you know just one of those deals where we need to be a little crisper with what we were doing and will did mention this immediately post game but he mentioned it again on his coach's show which some of this team has to learn how to do is play with a lead late in games. You know, it's a lot easier to shoot those threes when, all right, you know, we've kind of already thought we may have lost anyway. If it don't go in, it doesn't go in. We're, you know, we're cool. And, you know, it's a lot different to shoot them under, under pressure and to shoot the free throws under pressure. And it's a lot different to make decisions with the lead. You know, some of the decisions we made last night, and I'm not making excuses for, our, for, for ourselves, but we made those decisions like, we were trying to be the really, really aggressive team, and we want to stay aggressive late in the game. Don't get me wrong, but we were making those like we were down six instead of up six. And so, <laughs> you know, you you have to shift your mindset and understand understand time and situation, and 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 play with a little bit more poise. We don't ever want to take confidence because we you know we want to play with great confidence, but we've got to play a little little smarter, a little bit more uh, under control as well. So now they hit the road to take on Texas. Here is Will Wade previewing that matchup. I think the last time we were in it, we played Oklahoma. I think it was when they had Buddy Heal and, Heel, and yeah. that sort of thing. So it was uh, obviously a big matchup. So it's uh, it's good to be back in it. You know that means you're at the you're making progress within the conference, which is good. You're not in that bottom, <laughs> not in that bottom group. Uh, so it's a it's it's a good thing when you're when you're when you're in the uh, when you're in the challenge. So we're we are uh, we're certainly uh, certainly excited to be in it and represent the SEC and hopefully uh, get us you know like I said build our build our resume with another another good road win. And one more from Will, of course, is the team that's had to learn how to overcome adversity on the road, which they struggled with in the pre-conference, but seem to have figured out so far in SEC play. When you go on the road in, in, in league, uh, it's tough, especially on those Saturdays, because you know you're going to go into sold-out arenas and, and very, very tough environments. And it took us a while to adjust because you know Mississippi played; they played their best game they've played. Yeah. Uh, they, they played their best game by far that they've played. And, you know, it was one of those deals where we let Tyree get going early. We gave him way too many easy looks early. And we, we, we didn't take care of business like we needed to early in the game, which hurt us. But we're going to get teams' best shots now. You know, so we've kind of been under the radar. And we were like that for a while last year. And obviously, as poor as we did in the non-conference to start this year, I don't think anybody was really shaking in their boots to, to play us. Tigers will look to make it eight in a row if they can get the win Saturday at Texas. And if they do, they most certainly will be ranked on Monday when the latest polls come out. We will certainly be talking about that. In the meantime, we'll bid you farewell. And tomorrow on a Friday episode of the Locked on LSU podcast, uh, one final look from the Senior Bowl. And, of course, any updates on the LSU football coaching staff search. That's right here, Locked on LSU, your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.